0: Every time.
1: A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one.
0: On this week's episode, it's part one of our fall TV preview. Is the Conjuring Horror's best ever franchise? And what does it take in fantasy football to get a grown man to cry? All this and more as we once again delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is the figurehead of Humanica Media. You got to listen to everything that's going on when it comes to Humanica Media, whether it's their great Topic Ocalypse show or everything else that they're doing on their Humanica Media YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson.
2: What's up, man? When one day, Humanican Media has a big corporate office and I have my Hall of Heroes, I'm going to have like a bust of like Odysseus and Hercules and then Gerald Glassford with his headset right in the middle of those two.
0: There you go. There you go. Hello, over there in TV land. How hey, are you? Hey.
2: Fantastic. Trying something new. Check out the video when it goes up later. Also, before we get rolling, I do want to remind you that. This episode of Pop Culture Cosmos is brought to you by Miracle Fruit Oil's Vita Brace High Performance Gamer Wristband. But we will have more on that later.
0: And don't forget our great friends at Wheelie Cube Barbecue Sauces and Rubs, Rob McCallum Films, and Retro City Games as well. Just awesome to have all of them part of our presentation team because it takes a lot for all that pop culture to just flow in like that. So
2: it's just great to have them aboard. People make movies. They, pop culture happens because they want us to talk about it.
0: That they do, that they do. And boy, do we talk a lot about pop culture. But it is going to be a great episode where we'll talk a lot of pop culture. We're going to be talking later in the program to Jessica Boggs from the tvrainsguide.com She is actually going to be talking a lot about What's going on in the TV scene for this fall season? We're going to be previewing a lot of what's going on for ABC, CBS, and NBC. What looks like it could be a hit, what looks like it could be a miss, and so on and so forth. Also, on today's episode, we've got Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. He and I are going to be talking about week one in the NFL. Great weekend for a lot of people out there. Not so great for one of us because we were actually playing against each other in our league this week right off the bat one of us gets sent home crying but i won't tell you who right now but we'll let you know coming up a little bit later in the program as well plus josh and i are going to be talking a little bit about the kingdom Hearts series its impact within the culture of video games and it's this big name in video games but is it really deserving of it we're going to break down that and a lot more on today's episode but first my friend we're here to talk about the great start for The Nun, my friend. Did you get a chance to hear a lot about what people were saying about The Nun this weekend?
2: I heard that it was scary. I heard that a lot of people, like even more so than Annabelle, a lot of people were were super creeped out by it. What did you hear? I haven't read any of the reviews because I'm, I'm hoping to see it tomorrow night, but in a very spoiler-free-ish kind of way, what did you hear about it?
0: Well, the reviews so far for social media from people out there that have seen it are pretty positive you know traditionally they're not exactly loved by the critics out there but this leads me into a bigger question because the nun this weekend debuted very very strongly at the box office in fact it was the biggest in the series of the conjuring at over 53 million domestically here in the box office and over $130 million worldwide in its first weekend out. That's a huge, huge opening for such a low-budget film. In fact, it was I think the production budget was, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to $25 million. So that is a big win. And I think it leads to a larger question that I want to talk about on today's program with The Nun. You also have, like you said, Annabelle and Annabelle Creation. And the two Conjuring films, This is now a full-fledged franchise that's out there. This is now a movie series that has a lot of people talking about it and a lot of people actually really looking forward to it when a new iteration comes out. Obviously, there's a lot of interest in it now because it's bigger than ever before. And this is for a movie that is considered the prequel, the first prequel and the first in the line of actual movies if you were actually to watch it in a series. So I ask you, my friend, Can we consider, at this point in time, The Conjuring series, meaning The Nun, Annabelle, and Annabelle Creation, and the two Conjuring movies, and going forward with any more in The Conjuring series, can we consider The Conjuring series horror's biggest movie franchise?
2: I think The Conjuring is kind of the... Well, The Conjuring series or franchise, whatever you want to call it. I think they became a franchise not even trying to be a franchise you know they made this movie about the 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 conjuring they made this movie about the warrens and in the warrens like they just had so many like case files and so many interesting things going on in their life it was such a rich like well of material how could you not tap into that and i i think that with annabelle that was really meant to be like a one-off thing and then it ended up being successful people liked it and it's more it's more down-to-earth horror you know just the, the idea that it's like when you watch those shows on, like, Travel Channel or Discovery, you know, it's uh, actual people actually in- investigating allegedly haunted places. And we don't know how much of, like, the, the scares are are made up for our benefit or, or what's going on for ratings. But it is creepy because the Warrens, like, they were real people. And I think that's, and their case files all have bases in some kind of history. So that's what makes these characters so interesting and these, these cases so interesting. Unlike Insidious, like, it's not campy. Like it's very, it feels down to earth and gritty. It's like the, the dark night of horror franchises, you know?
0: Well, you know, I always like to take a look at the business side of things. And to me it's on paper, probably the biggest way for me to determine in a lot of ways, what is a successful series and what is not a successful series at this point in time, you have to say with all five films that have been out that are related within the contouring franchise, That each and every one of them has been a hit. When you consider, let's start off with the first one, the original The Conjuring, that was going off of a $20 million production budget. That one earned over $300 million worldwide. The same thing with The Conjuring 2. That one was a little bit more expensive at $40 million as far as production budget, but that one also garnered over $300 million. Then you have the original Annabelle, which was made for a paltry $6.5 million. And that one earned over 250 million. The second one earned over 300 million and wasn't that much more expensive to make. Now the nun, at 20 to 25 million, that one has already garnered over 131 million, and that one looks like it's going to be, you know, right around that 300 million dollar mark as well. When all is said and done,
2: if you totaled them up, though, I'm just curious because I'm comparing it right now to what Paranormal Activity made, where the m- movies all eventually got worse as they went along
0: well right now you're looking at uh, over a billion dollars then okay so it's already
2: activity then yeah
0: it it has by a wide margin and the nun is looking like it's going to be another 300 million dollar franchise for the series and as you and i both know this is the biggest opening ever in the series and it just seems like it's getting started there's going to be obviously a a law of diminishing returns at some point in time for the series, but it doesn't look like it's going to come anytime soon because they've been very smart about how they went about the franchise and not just do a conjuring one, a conjuring two, a conjuring three, a conjuring four. They were able to throw in the Annabelles at the right point in time. And now the nun, which is like a little bit different side of the conjuring franchise, throw that in there. And my gosh, tell you what, they have done a brilliant job of not only keeping the cost down but also manufacturing the most out of this movie franchise.
2: Have you noticed too that there seems to be a renaissance going on for horror movies and practical effects so you have a lot of stuff like on Netflix that it, it was very like I think horror movies kind of got a bad name from some of the b flicks on Netflix that are all like super computer animated and now you go to the theaters and you see these movies being made for three to $5 million, sometimes less than that. And it's all practical effects. All they're really doing is paying the actors and all that stuff. But you go on to, um, you know, see the end product and it, it seems worth it to cut costs. I mean, you, I don't know about the conjuring probably has a bigger production budget than the paranormal activity movies do, but
0: not always, not always my friends. Cause this one, like I said, it's only about 20 to 25 million. Annabelle, the first one, only cost a little bit above $5 million, which is a, you know, as you and I both know, is very paltry compared to some of the
2: other movies in other genres. Right. And the the cool thing, too, is like unlike, you know, Conjuring 1 and 2, where you have these spinoff movies and you have a like a professional production team on them and you have no name actors, more or less, and you can really make something beautiful. Like you have these people who know what they're doing. You know, the production team knows what they're doing. The color grading is good. The equipment is good. Like the editing is really good, and you just have a good team of people and a director that knows how to handle his his business. And you can you can make anything. Like if if what this goes to show you is that really like these horror movies that are really bad that end up on Netflix or TV or like the the weird movie sections on like voodoo and stuff, like they should not be as bad as they are. It just goes to show you, uh, any horror movie you can make a good horror movie with a good script and a decent team.
0: Well, you and I have talked about this before when it comes to horror movies. So much is riding on the first two weeks for horror flicks because they seem to peter out just after the two-week mark. This might buck the trend because traditionally the Conjuring movies have seemed to buck the trend when it comes to having longer legs than your traditional horror movies. So this one looks to be something that will will be gaining money and, and actually bringing people into the box office for the next three or four weeks, even more possibly, because this definitely adds on to what a lot of people are excited about when it comes to the Conjuring franchise. But you and I have have talked about at length over the time we've been doing these shows about horror movies, about how they are such a low risk and potentially high yield proposition for every Slender Man, which doesn't really make it out of the box very well, and it actually performed rather poorly, it still didn't cost that much to make, but you st- for every one of those, you have a lot of movies like The Conjuring series and so many other ones like The Purge and-, and others that are definitely a lot better performing at the box office, and yet they've cost pennies to the dollar compared to some of the other big-budget action movies that we talk about on- pretty much on a weekly basis.
2: Right, and also like there's always going to be a market for horror movies because unlike... You know, people get burnout on superhero stuff. People like sci-fi has a bad rep these days. Even romance films are starting to fizzle out because in order to get people to see them now, you have to put big name actors like, you know, Amy Schumer or someone into them to get people to watch them. But with horror movies, it's, it's a novelty because people will always want to be scared and people will especially always want to be scared in a movie theater. So it, it, it's not, as long as a horror movie makes back its budget, and you know enough to profit a little bit i think there will always be a call for it people will always want horror movies in some fashion now this leads
0: me into one of the big questions when it comes to the conjuring franchise and like i said you are more in tune than i am when it comes to the horror franchises that are out there but you and and also jason todd feinberg of honey queen both called it and called it right when you said that the nun was going to be the biggest hit of the horror franchises, because I don't know if Halloween's gonna have this type of opening. I think it's gonna have a very solid and actually very good opening, but asking for it to do $130 million worldwide in its first weekend is actually a lot to ask for of any horror movie, much less Halloween or anything else of that nature. So this leads me into my next question now that we've established conjuring is one of the biggest horror series ever and in my opinion it it, you have to consider it now as the biggest right now in hollywood if not all time what are your thoughts as far as the prospects down the road for continuing the conjuring series how long do you think this good fortune
2: will last as long as they haven't tapped the, um, the Warren's Library of Resources dry, I think that it's going to keep going. Because what was that movie with Eric Bana? Remember, he played the cop oh, two or three years ago, I want to say. Deliver Us from Evil. Vaguely. Okay. And it's weird because that guy actually has his own TV show now, too, on Travel Channel. But anyways, that was actually one of the Warren's case files. Ah, but it's not tied in there. No, but it makes me wonder like how many other horror movies how many other modern horror movies I'll have to do some research on this, but how many other modern horror movies are based on things that the Warrens were involved with? That sounds
0: like there could be a quite a bit to delve into when it comes to the Warrens, all their stories, and the Conjuring franchise. For James Wan, who has been tied to this series now, I mean, for me it it beats Final Destination, it beats the Saw series. Any other franchises out there Horror wise, I'm not sure it's actually, in my opinion, been this strong at the fifth different iteration. I mean, it's we're now five iterations deep into the Conjuring series, and it looks like right now it's better than ever.
2: Well, let me shoot a question your way. When it comes to horror movies, do you prefer like torture flicks, like blood and gore flicks, like Friday the 13th, Freddy vs. Jason, Halloween, or do you prefer something that has supernatural stuff in it?
0: Well, if you would have talked to me about 10 years ago on that, I would have told you it would have been the standard Friday the 13th, Halloween, that type of deal. But those movies have really become passe, the standard tropes. I think people get tired of watching them. And That's you're
2: why. To use some of the things that made them so great back in the day, though. Like you can't have classic scenes where there's teenagers getting all steamy and then all of a sudden there's like an axe or a a knife scraping on the window behind them you can't do stuff like that anymore so that's why i feel like that genre is of horror movie is going to eventually fizzle out we'll see how halloween does but i could be wrong i think
0: halloween is going to be one last shot for that genre i think it's still going to do very well but i don't think it's going to do as well as the nun is because that's definitely reinvigorated the horror scene once again with such an amazing opening over 50 million dollars again domestically and over 130 million dollars worldwide there's nowhere to go but up for here for the conjuring franchise and i think there's a lot more stories that they can tell for james wan even if Aquaman doesn't do so hot this December, he still is going to look back fondly at 2018 and said it wasn't a bad year for him because he was a contributing writer on this particular, the nun movie.
2: Right. But he, yeah, well, well, James Wan also did fast and the furious also, didn't he? Like he's having a good career. Like he's having a great career. Cause he went from directing B movies into like these big franchises. So there's something there for sure. Like he's, he has talent let me just say like he has talent if he can take like these lower grade franchises and make them as big as they've become like there's definitely like a long prosperous career for him and he is actually someone that transferred over from torture
0: type films into a jump scare horror type film going from the saw series and now moving into the conjuring series so Like you said, when it comes to horror, he seems to really know his stuff about how to create an environment and how to create a good series. And definitely The Conjuring is right now at an all-time high as The Nun has hit some really, really sharp tunes with audiences when it comes to some jump scares, a lot of good word of mouth. And I see The Nun being a big hit in the near future. And I see The Conjuring franchise being a big hit for many iterations to come. What are your thoughts out there when it comes to The Conjuring franchise? Do you think, like I do, that you should consider it right now horror's top movie franchise, maybe even the all-time franchise as well? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. I think Josh thinks so as well, as like I do, that that it's definitely one of the the horror movie franchises out there as well. And if you think the same or if you don't think the same, give us a shout-out as well on popculturecosmos on Facebook game source and also humanic and media as well we got a great show for you today got a lot of things to talk about we've got jessica box from the tv ratings she is coming up a little bit later in the program for a fall tv preview part one where we're going to discuss abc cbs and nbc and later on as well we're going to be talking a lot about the kingdom hearts franchise is it a franchise that's gotten a little bit too much hype over the years People have some fond memories, and is Kingdom Hearts 3, whenever it does finally come out, because it's supposed to come out in 2019, is that going to meet up to everybody's standards and everybody's expectations? We're going to discuss that. But first, we've got Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. He's going to discuss week one in the NFL, and, well, one of us is going to be crying on the episode, and... uh, Uh, Well, I can't say who it is, but you'll find out coming up right here in a bit. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Mm, Nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak hamburgers fries or vegetables to get your hands on some of these tasty wheelie q items head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy pop culture cosmos listeners act now and get 15 percent off your order just by entering the promo code pod one that's pod and the number one at checkout For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. And we're back with the show.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. It's not that bad. I'm
0: so sorry to everyone. You're hearing a grown man cry. This (laughs) is Gerald Glassford along with the guy that is beating me right now in week one in the fantasy football league we're in. (laughs) Oh, Gerald, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. When I said by 70, I meant me win by 70, not you. (laughs) Not you. (laughs) That's
3: what it's shaping up as.
0: It is shaping up as that for our fantasy football guru it is my good friend still even though it's kind of hard right now it's a bitter pill to swallow (laughs) my good friend mr tyler baker what's up man at least i'm winning my other league hey
3: man at least football's back real football that we can watch and enjoy it's back
0: it is indeed and already the warning sirens and Mm. siren lights have gone off people are panicking right and left I know a lot of people already on the chat boards and message boards and social media out there are already trying to figure out who they can steal, who they can trade, or who they can Mm -hmm. pick off the waiver wire. Your thoughts briefly on some of the things that are going on in week one of the NFL. We'll start off with some of the quarterback issues because that Mm -hmm. always seems to be at the forefront. Right now, are you buying or selling Patrick Mahomes right now after such a big day for Kansas City?
3: Buying. I did look at the stat line, and I think you have to buy at this point. But let me check the game film out, and I'll let you know what I think a little bit later. But there was a reason why they got rid of Alex Smith, and that's because Andy Reid had a lot of confidence in Patrick Mahomes, and he showed why today.
0: Because he struggled mightily during the not just necessarily the preseason, but in camp. He had a lot of issues connecting to his his targets, but very big day for him. Four touchdowns, great performance in a home away from home, which is the Los Angeles Chargers, which seems to be a home away from home for (laughs) every visiting team at this point in time. But that's another story in and of itself. (laughs) Are you buying or selling Ben Roethlisberger at this point? Because against the Cleveland Browns, who still can't win a game, which I still have a problem with when the NFL ties in 2018, or it's just something that they don't even do in soccer anymore. So (laughs) yeah, really disappointing that they still do that. It's still like kissing your sister, but (laughs) even though they managed to luckily get a tie out of it with the Browns, are you buying or selling Ben Roethlisberger?
3: Well, the Browns haven't lost a game yet. And that's something we haven't been able to say going into week two for a long time. Ben Roethlisberger, you know, without Le'Veon Bell being there, there's one big story there. It's James Conner. He did a really good job proving that <laughs> it doesn't have to take Le'Veon Bell to make that offense work. Now, there were some runs that Conner made that if Bell would have been in that situation, would have gotten a lot more. But James Conner did a really, really good job. And Given that Ben Roethlisberger now knows that he has a good running game, I would expect him to be Ben Roethlisberger because the game conditions today were terrible. There was a lot of rain, and that's a really difficult environment to pass in. But now that the Pittsburgh Steelers know that they have a good, balanced offense, I think he could buy on Ben Roethlisberger.
0: Third, buying or selling. and now, In fact, I, what I'll do is I'll save some for our Friday show and for everybody out there that's going to be listening this weekend. Buying or selling Cam Newton as a top prospect at this point in time?
3: Hmm. Well, he's going to have to get better football out of his supporting cast. I've never been a Devin Funches fan, and he kind of showed me why today Christian McCaffrey needs to eliminate the mistakes. I would hope to think that they could get some of those younger receivers more involved, given a better game script moving forward. It really depends on the price that you want to buy or sell Cam Newton for. It really depends on what you're going to get. But he showed that he can run the ball. He showed that he can get those rushing touchdowns. So I think I would just stay put with Cam Newton right now.
0: And there was a lot of other great performances in the league this weekend. I know a lot of people were looking at it really with a, like you said, a sharp eye, trying to focus in on some of the better performances, hopefully going forward for a lot of these teams in Pittsburgh, where they had a great performance there that might not be something that you can totally bank on for the future. I know a lot of people picked up James Conner late because of the situation with Le'Veon Bell. I even know that you and I spoke about it just beforehand as far as the late pickup is concerned. Are people going to rush to judgment on James Conner and and go ahead and try to establish him as maybe a running back one or running back two that you're going to have the, in there every week? Or is this something that maybe you should hold off on and, and see how it plays out?
3: If you have James Conner and Le'Veon Bell's not in camp and he's not practicing with the team, you have to start him. And I think you can start him. And as running back two, an easy running back two, maybe even running back one. He showed that he can handle a workload, 31 carries, 135 yards, two touchdowns. He caught five of his six targets for 57 yards. So he's fitting in very nicely to what they want out of a running back there in Pittsburgh.
0: Now, I know there were a lot of great performances, but also some poor ones as well. (laughs) Bill's quarterbacks, notwithstanding. But I want to go into some of the things that you were looking at and you were interested in seeing as far as for fantasy owners to take notice of and be aware of going forward, at least in the early part of the season.
3: Yeah, well, Marcus Marietta suffered an elbow injury. I haven't gotten any indication as to exactly how serious that is. Advice to check on that. It doesn't look like it's too serious. Leonard Fournette also left his game in the first quarter. The star running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars has a hamstring injury. They don't think it's serious. Doug Baldwin, the star wide receiver, For the Seattle Seahawks. He has been nursing a knee coming into the game. He left with a knee injury. Unfortunately, it was on his other knee, but unfortunately now he has two bum knees. So we'll have to see how that plays out. He did come back into the game, but they pulled him eventually just as precaution. It looks like Greg Olson is done in my opinion. I haven't had any clarification of that, but he was wearing an air cast on the same foot that he was having problems with all of last season. It is not at all a very good indication. So we are going to be Waiting to see what we hear from those players to find out what's going on as far as the waiver wire on Tuesday. Also, Delaney Walker, tight end for the Tennessee Titans, had what looked like a serious ankle injury. And so we'll be looking to probably pick up Jonu Smith if you're in need for tight end.
0: Once again, it is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. You got to check out his full episodes each week on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. On Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and over 30 different major podcast outlets. Plus, also as well, if you have any questions for him, you can email us popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or popculturecosmos on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as well. And then if you actually want to go ahead and join their fantasy football pater podcast Facebook group you can do that as well. They can give you suggestions on what to do as far as lineup changes, possible trades that are coming your way, waiver wire questions that you might have, Mm -hmm. anything in regards to fantasy football, he can actually give you the heads up as well on the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast Facebook group. Tyler, it's always great to talk to you, my friend, even though you barely squeaked out a win. (laughs) Uh, Better luck next time for me. And again, continued success to you, my friend, I'll give you a, a holler on Friday and see what we can do about changing everybody's fortunes around for the better in fantasy football.
3: Thank you very much, Gerald. Always a pleasure.
0: Always a pleasure as well to have you a part of the show, the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, and of course, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Look no further than Viterbrace high-performance gamer wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speed run or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale game, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace win
1: with it you're listening to the pop culture cosmos
0: and we're back once again it's gerald coming right back at you here well it is that time again it is the fall tv season and who better to break down everything going on in the tv scene than our good friend She is one of the amazing writers at tvratingsguide.com. You got to check out everything going on when it comes to the business and information and also reviews, stories, articles, and so much more on the TV rating scene that's available at tvratingsguide.com. It is our good friend. The lone holdout when it comes to Nashville, it is Jessica Boggs. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) So we're going to get into it right now when it comes to the fall premiere season and all that. Let's start off with the big three, the traditional broadcasting networks of old. And each year it seems to be getting older and older, but they're still around. We're going to start off first alphabetically with ABC. What are some of the shows that you're looking forward to when it comes to what programs that are either coming out or some shows that are returning of interest when it comes to ABC?
4: I think the most exciting but yet controversial show that would be on ABC airs would be the Roseanne spinoff, The Connors. Basically, Roseanne Barr did get fired from the reboot, so they retooled it, and now The Connors is born. Now, I don't expect it to be as big of a rating success as Roseanne, but that's going to be one of the cornerstones with ABC's fall season. But what I'm not looking forward to with ABC at this point is on the comedy side, you would see the kids are all right, expecting to hang onto the Connors' coattails for a bit and leaving into the expense of Blackish and splitting up together. And it depends on its performance, basically. Splitting up together, you see that it's going to be in the traditional 930 death slot.
0: The Rookie with Nathan Fillion. And that's something I wanted to talk to you about because it goes from two hours of comedy into a 10 o'clock drama series, which is something ABC has done for quite some time. With this new drama being added with Nathan Fillion playing the role of a Forty something, let's say, older gentleman actually, due to circumstances in his life, signing up for the police squad, and obviously goes through the trials and tribulations of that. But then gets into his life if the series continues, gets into his life on the beat out there in the atmosphere. Do you think that that's something that people will connect onto because it is one of the shows that I think ABC is kind of targeting and they've kind of been promoting as something that they want to go ahead and try and get some rating success with because like you said it comes right after that 9 30 death slot you were talking about
4: oh yeah and basically you have with the rookie they're capitalizing on nathan fillion it seems they're expecting good ratings i don't expect it will be to the level of the god doctor because tuesday 10 o'clock is historically the death slot in abc history and whether that fixes it or not is Still to be determined.
0: Now, do you expect anything as far as any type of hits that they've been able to get? Like what you said with The Good Doctor, do you expect anything out of some of the newer series that are coming out also to ABC, like either Single Parents or A Million Little Things, or even a show that's been put on what I think is a death slot, the Sunday 10 o'clock hour with The Alec Baldwin
4: Show? I think the best shot uh, to get a hit or close to it is with either The Rookie or A Million Little Things. Not to like the level of The Good Doctor's success, but success in their own rights.
0: And one last thing when we were on ABC, do you see any shows looking like uh, established shows that have been out around for a little while? Do you see any of these shows? that are on ABC that you think are in some serious trouble when it comes to ratings? Because I know there were a couple of shows on ABC that your crew at thetvratingsguide.com had earmarked for kind of serious trouble that that barely snuck by with a renewal and could be in some trouble this year if it does not keep its ratings
4: up. There are two shows, Station 19 and For the People, For the People more so as it squeaked by basically because of the Shonda factor, but not necessarily of ratings. So I think I kind of see this being like a Catch-22 or the Catch-2.0, basically, with its retooling. With Station 19, it did okay after Grey's Anatomy, but I don't see it surviving or holding up on its own without Grey's Anatomy. But there's also one other show that's not related to ratings necessarily, but Modern Family, which is an established show, has been on slight decline, but pretty much on a decline, but not to the level to cancel it yet. It's getting pretty expensive, but within about a year or so, ABC might own it, though, unless the creators decide to like call it quits, basically.
0: Well, it's already on in syndication in several markets already. But the stars, as you said, as the series gets older, want and demand more and more money. So the production goes up, et cetera, et cetera. I know Ed O'Neill had made some comments, I believe, that were kind of uh, troubling and controversial over the summer. And I guess for the show, like you said, it's hitting that maturation point where it's going to be something where you are starting to see diminished returns? And at what point does ABC say, you know what, we got to pull it and cut our losses, or do we want to extend it just so we've got a sweet syndication future for this particular show? So I definitely see the paradox that it's now in currently because the series has been around so long and has garnered great numbers before, garnered great Emmy acclaim before in the past, but now it might be hitting a point where it's just too much negative that outweighs the essential positive each and every week that it's had in the past. There's also some great stuff going on with CBS and some great new shows that they've got, including God Friended Me, Happy Together, The Neighborhood, Another branch of the investigative team out there in the FBI, because you know they've got to do it. And also as well, two returning shows in kind of a way, one with some familiar faces and one with some not familiar faces. Magnum P.I., which that is going to be a reboot of the successful series with Tom Selleck and Murphy Brown, featuring many of the stars from the Murphy Brown series from past, are returning to try and see if they can go at it again because, well, you know, nostalgia works according to Hollywood. So, I want to hear your thoughts on some of these new shows. Which are you targeting for success? Which are not doing out so well? And CBS has been long established as one of the leaders in broadcast television for so long when it comes to ratings and things of that nature. What shows do you see that that could have some interest as far as for people out there to take a look at this fall season?
4: I mean, outside of Magnum P.I., which will do okay in its own right, I really do not see a clear success with any show, basically. Plus, there's also controversy with the now former CBS CEO because of sexual harassment allegations. And if they get a new CEO, CBS, there could be a new direction. So a lot of shows could be affected.
0: And that not only includes CBS, but everything owned by Viacom, including stations such as, I believe, MTV, VH1, you know, the list goes on and on. Leo Moonves, yeah, Moonves, yeah, he's had a hand in a lot over the years when it comes to not only just CBS but the adding of CBS All Access and like I mentioned, so many other Viacom related channels that are out there. So yes, that that definitely could change a lot if there's a new CEO in place. But none of those shows are, are garnering a lot of fan interest out there, not even something like, let's say FBI, because they've relied so heavily in the past with NCIS, NCIS, New Orleans, NCIS, you know, the whole nine yards and CSI and all that. As far as Establishing TV shows based off of already well-known properties that are out there in law enforcement.
4: Correct. They're not getting any social media interest because typically CBS does garner an older crowd, but there's not as much buzz with the CBS shows this time around.
0: How about some shows that are on the schedule at this point in time? I know Criminal Minds is something that has had a lot of trouble as of late. The once dominant show, as far as ratings are concerned, has seen some rather hard times. Do you see them making it out this year as far as the entire season? Or do you see this as finally the last season, as it were, in a finality for that type of show?
4: It did get its season cut before it basically ends. But I don't see this as part of like a CSI type thing. Like I said, CSI in October, while it was airing, got its episode order cut from 22 to 18 episodes. And it was airing on a Sunday time slot. Criminal Minds is airing on a Wednesday time slot. And I'm guessing that's because of scheduling concerns. But my only concern is it's co-owned and most of distribution goes to ABC Studios. (laughs)
0: That'll usually do it all right. But <laughs> tell you what, there's one other question I have for you. Actually, two, actually, two when it comes to CBS. First thing is the peculiar move, once again, them messing, I think, always with a good thing. I mean, there's some, been some shows that they've had established on certain days and times, but as so often is the case, they go ahead and move these successful shows to put them in other time slots that will not favor them. And one of them is Bull, which was in a Tuesday nine o'clock time slot and is now being moved to a Monday 10 p.m. That's going to be at the back end of three other brand new shows on Monday night. How concerned should you be if you're a Bull fan, if you realize that you now have three brand new shows which you have no idea how well or how bad the reception will be from those three shows And how concerned are you for the long-term history for Bull? Because Scorpion was moved into that time slot and look what happened to it.
4: Yeah, it got canceled after four seasons. (laughs) To be honest, I think Bull, if most of them perform really poorly, I would see like one more season out of Bull. It's going to be in its third season, which means it's going to probably be like an automatic fourth season for just to try to get syndication. However... If the shows do well, you would probably see many more seasons coming from Bull. But Bull has been a steady player, pretty much. And I do see it becoming a bright spot in the 10 p.m. area.
0: And one last question when it comes to CBS. Murphy Brown, like you said, you didn't have high hopes for any of the new shows coming to CBS this year. And that included Murphy Brown, which we touched on real briefly when it comes to nostalgia is concerned. Your thoughts on Murphy Brown in that Thursday, what you've always considered a Thursday, 9.30 p.m. death slot. Do you think Murphy Brown can recapture any magic from its former past, or do you think it's something that maybe will just whittle away with time and be one of the early cancellees when it comes to CBS?
4: I don't necessarily see it as an early cancellation, unlike the other two Monday night shows, the new shows that are on Monday nights. But with Murphy Brown, it skews older than the other two shows. And it's going to probably be a Harry's Law case where there's like more viewers than viewers in the demo, which is pretty concerning.
0: And last we have right now when it comes to the three major networks is NBC. NBC always seems to be trying something new and this year is no less different with the village the titan games new amsterdam i feel bad hopefully you won't feel bad watching it manifest the in between the enemy within brooklyn 99 coming from fox to nbc on that one and abby's also another new show on the horizon so you see that now coming up for these shows for the network do you see anything that might become a hit let's start off with new amsterdam Is that something, this hospital drama, is that going to continue the line of of successful hospital dramas or will it go code black on you?
4: I think New Amsterdam, because of its voice time slot or really good time slot, it will do okay. Although not as bad as The Brave did, but it will do okay. But not exactly setting a world on fire. I feel bad is going to be another Thursday night casualty. Thursday nights are not even setting the world on fire and Will and Grace has seen diminishing returns from the back half of season one and that's continuing of basically the reboot. Also with other new shows coming in the fall, they're going to see some okay performers but not exactly hits. However, that will probably be enough to keep NBC at number one for the time being.
0: And some of the shows that you think might be a little bit in trouble this year from established shows. I know one that I'm very sad to hear went away after its second season Timeless. I don't think that was given its proper chance. And I think that was just pushed around all over the schedule. Some people got less interested in it. That happens. It's it's part of the deal when it comes to TV culture, but are there some shows out there that you feel are maybe in trouble when it comes to NBC Some shows that maybe some people might need to watch now, otherwise they could be in real peril when it comes to having a continued season and also a renewal by NBC.
4: There are plenty of shows. Good Girls, AP Bio, The Blacklist, and Blindspot. Blindspot because of its WB status. I think those four shows will be in trouble or on the bubble this year.
0: Oh, those are some good thoughts right there. Because yeah, I, I can definitely see that being an issue. Any last thoughts on NBC as far as maybe some, some shows that the people need to look out for is, is the end coming near to Law & Order SVU. They're still relying on it on the back end of many of their days. In fact, I'm looking at their schedule later this month and they've got a plan for Law & Order SVU to to take up a good chunk of those late hours, 9, 10 o'clock hours at various points in time.
4: I don't necessarily think it's the end. SVU has about a few more seasons, and it's a reliable player. Unlike with Modern Family, you haven't seen as much diminishing returns as far as ratings go. Because there is only one big star on Law & Order's cast with SVU, and that's Mariska Hargitay. And it will probably depend on her salary, plus a rotating cast.
0: Or as long as she wants to continue doing the show.
4: Yeah, pretty much.
0: It seems like it's going to be something that's a staple and a foundation for the network to come as long as she wants to continue doing it. So once again, I have Jessica Boggs here from the tvratingsguide.com. You got to check out everything going on today in the TV ratings scene at tvratingsguide.com. They have original programs that they write about. They have great reviews updated news information renew cancel index on what shows are in the hot seat what shows are doing good and what shows you already are already out the door they've got a number of writers always there to go ahead and provide you with the latest and greatest in tv ratings news once again it is tv jessica it's always great to have you on the show always great to have you be a part of what's going on right here at the pop culture cosmos
1: If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only 5 minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves.
0: want to thank so much Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com for stopping by. If you want the latest and in information on the TV rating scene, a lot of great articles, original features, the renewed Cancel Index, and all that great stuff going on in the TV world, you got to check out TVRatingsGuide.com today. That's TVRatingsGuide.com. Also as well, my good friend, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. Check out the full episode of him and I talking once again. Maybe even a little bit more crying going on. That episode in full will be airing this week on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and over 30 different podcast outlets. My friend, you have got a great thing going on with Humanica Media and Topic Topicocalypse. So share it to us, man, what's going on with everything in your world when it comes to Humanica Media.
2: So we recorded a couple episodes today. So tomorrow you'll be able to hear the first of them which we are discussing our rage quit moments in video games. So it's a good one. Lots of insight, lots of hatred for memory cards and when you share them with siblings. Yeah, stay tuned for that. That'll be up tomorrow. And also, we are on the Podcast Radio Network every Tuesday night.
0: That's right. 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. It is topic Topicocalypse. I've got my 256 megabyte card for my PlayStation ready, man. Do you think that might actually work or, or do I need to go and get something else a little bit larger?
2: Only if we can both play the same Final Fantasy games and just cover our eyes when we're saving so we don't know which file we might be saving over.
0: Maybe I need to blow on the ROM cartridge a little bit
2: more. How about the dust? So make sure you leave it around your pets too because sometimes if you're lucky, they'll pick them up and chew on them. That's true. That's true as well. That's, again, topic Topicocalypse.
0: Not only are they on the Podcast Radio Network, but you can catch it on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also many more outlets as well. Well, Josh, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about video games as we close out the show today. So I want to hear my, your thoughts, my friend, because you know there's a lot of expectation that's going to be going on when it comes to Kingdom Hearts 3 that's coming out in 2019, or it's scheduled to because there's been so many delays when it comes to that game. And there's been so much expectation when it comes to that game. And most of it's based off of Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. And yes, I'm I'm including the 1.5 and the 2.5 and the remixes and all that good stuff when it comes to Kingdom Hearts. Your thoughts on the Kingdom Hearts JRPG series. I know you've had just a recent encounter with it and you're just getting into the series and after a long tenure with the Final Fantasy series, what are your thoughts now that you've been spending some time with the Kingdom Hearts series and your expectations for Kingdom Hearts 3?
2: Right now, I don't have expectations. So Tetsuya Nomura, he has been involved in a number of Square projects, but there's one thing you can always count on him to do, and that is take forever to develop a video game. You know, if we're looking at the last like numbered entry 2005 and it's 2019 we're supposed to be getting kingdom hearts three or i thought it was supposed to be coming out october but i guess they pushed it back again
0: they did again i think it was actually supposed to come out some years ago but we won't go into that far detail
2: but yeah look at where it's almost a 15 year gap and like they had all this other you know junk come out i don't know if it's junk i haven't played i just got the um was that pack of game the the ps4 remaster that has like a The 1.5 remix or the 2.5 remix, is that correct? Yeah, it has all the the games on it. It has 1.5 final mix, 2.5 final mix. It's got Chain of Memories, 358 over 2 days, Birth by Sleep, stuff like that. Okay, so I just want to get into the game for a minute, though, because all of my friends have played this game. They've all talked about how great it is, and you know I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan, so I will literally give any JRPG a chance. I mean, people get mad when you call Final Fantasy a JRPG because they say it's like a JRPG light, but I'm willing to give any game like that a chance if people say that it is like Final Fantasy because it's Final Fantasy sets a bar, you know? And when people say, hey, by the way, Kingdom Hearts has Final Fantasy characters in it, I'm like, yes, sign me up. But it's taken me 15, no, almost 20 years now to play this game. But I got it, you know, cracked it open the other day, turned on the PlayStation 4, and I just don't like it. Have you played it? I have played the series, on a couple of occasions
0: back way long ago. My memories are not that fond, but I'm not exactly the biggest fan and the biggest supporter of JRPGs in general. I've never really gotten into it. I think sometimes for me, they move a little bit too slow and methodical. I like something that's consistent, that flows naturally. And unfortunately with a lot of JRPGs, both old and new alike, it's really hard for them to flow in a natural fashion when you're always taking time to go ahead and be very tactical about what you need to do. And sometimes I just can't wait and I just need to go through a game and be very, get engrossed with a story, get engrossed with whatever multiplayer or whatever thing that I'm doing now. I just am not a great fan of JRPGs because it's just so hard for me to get invested into them because there's so much of a stoppage in play from time to time as you go ahead and try to create your strategy for your next moves and your next opponent that you have to face off against.
2: Certain enemies have certain elemental types, you gotta worry about doing buffs and all that stuff. But with Kingdom Hearts, like it's basically you run around there isn't a different battle screen. So you don't have you know how like in Final Fantasy like you have the and you go onto a different screen. They don't have this, but they still have like the attack magic item buttons and stuff like that. And you can do combos and all that stuff. But, you know, and that that's cool. So I like the idea of like a Disney merger. Like you have Disney worlds and you're exploring it with Final Fantasy-esque characters. But what I don't like is that the, the story really makes no sense. It's like the writers were, a Tetsuya Nomura probably, the writers were always saying like, let's do this and then we'll just put a few little lines of cheesy dialogue in there and then we'll fix all the plot holes. And it just it doesn't work because I still it's something about like darkness has taken over the world and is pulling it apart. But how did how did this affect like the Final Fantasy worlds? How did the Final Fantasy worlds get destroyed? And it really feels like they have weaved a story around just for the, the sole reason of visiting all these other Disney worlds. The controls are really clunky and like the story is bad. And it just as someone who's now like, you know, I don't have the time I used to to, to grind in games. So I was able to get from like the first part all the way to like the third to last boss, you know, with with relative ease. But now there's like a between the the dragon Maleficent as a dragon and one of the last bosses you have to fight. There's a huge gap in skill and power. So it's like I was able to get through this game, and like you know, now that I'm older and I love video games, still play video games all the time, but I don't have. 60 to 80 hours to grind on a video game so my goal is like if I can't play a game and Unless I really like it, but if I can't play a game in less than 30 hours I try not to play and I'm at hour 24 for this game. So Really the next like three or four hours is going to decide if I finish this game or not
0: So I ask you this on this note with Kingdom Hearts 3 that's now coming out. Like I said, supposedly in 2019 what are your thoughts on a Kingdom Hearts 3 actually salvaging in your mind the series as a whole? Because a lot of people are looking forward to this game as far as not only the things that they can do within the game, but also the places that they go and the potential worlds of Disney that they might actually experience and, and take adventures into this game. They're excited as to how much Disney has grown in that span of 14 years since the last true iteration of Kingdom Hearts Would you be able to give it a second chance with the newest iteration? And and what are you looking forward to, to maybe reinvigorate your desire for the game when you compare it to Final Fantasy and all those other JRPGs that you like so much?
2: I want a story that I can stick with. I want the Disney worlds to revolve around the game and not vice versa. So because right now, I feel like the Disney worlds and the Disney aspects, especially, you know, Frozen and Pirates and stuff like those are the things that are keeping this franchise afloat. Like if Kingdom Hearts did not have the Disney properties and it was just like your normal JRPG, nobody would play it. Like that's kind of my my thinking behind this. But I could be wrong. It could be wrong. I know there's a lot of fans out there. And please don't take this the wrong way. If you're one of those fans, I'm only on Kingdom Hearts one. So I still got to play, what, four or five more games before I'm able to even think about playing Kingdom Hearts three. But You know, right now, I just like it. I feel like it it has some flaws in it. It's just it feels like everything revolves around the Disney worlds. And that seems to damage the story, the dialogue, the character development, all that stuff. And I I would hope that with, what, 15 years between Kingdom Hearts 3 and Kingdom Hearts 2, that they would find a way to fix that stuff. assuming I can get to it before, uh, you know, like Red Dead and all those games come out, I would love to... Oh, sorry, Red Dead's coming out October. Whenever this game comes out, if I'm done with these games by the time that comes out, I will have higher expectations, I'm sure, but we'll have to get back to that later.
0: What are your thoughts out there on the Kingdom Hearts series? Are you looking forward to Kingdom Hearts 3? Is Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 and all the different remixes and the Birth by Sleep and the whole nine yards... Is the JRPG one of your favorite styles of games as well? Share us your thoughts, PopCultureCosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. So Josh, it's been a great episode we had here today. A lot to look forward to on Friday's episode. I know you and also TJ Johnson from Voice from the Underground are both going to be sharing your thoughts on the latest spider-man video game the exclusive for the playstation 4 plus also don't forget it's going to be part two of our tv fall preview that is going to be coming up on friday with jessica box from the tv ratings we're going to focus in on the fox cw and a lot of what's going on in cable as well any last thoughts on the way out my friend
2: no, that's it, man. I'm looking forward to talking about spider man on friday and uh again, you know, there's a lot of things in the old uh the old cooking pot right now, so pop culture cosmos is is working on big things.
0: We'll also be bringing you, as we always do, the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every Monday and Friday and a whole lot of extra stuff going on if you just check out our Pop Culture Cosmos channel on all of our different podcast networks. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's a beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.